Welcome to the ISA's Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This is Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory with this month's podcast by Dr. Zhao Ning. Dr. Ning is a professor of urban forestry at Southern University. This podcast features her talk on the effect of elevated CO2 levels on the physiological processes of urban trees. It was originally presented at the ISA International Conference in Portland, Oregon in 2012. Well, thank you for staying here. Um, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, a, is the one, I'm the one between you and the beer, so just stay with me. <laughs> uh, one more? Oh, okay, so, so I'm good, I'm good, okay. So let's talk about uh, how elevated CO2 impact uh, physiological processes of uh, selected urban trees and shrubs. Okay, first of all, why we talk about CO2? Uh, a lot of books and uh, articles have mentioned about uh, historic records of CO2. Uh, the one that uh, almost everybody agree on is the data that's presented by the Intergovernment uh, Panel on Climate Change. That was published in 2007. And have a data showing us the CO2 level has increased by 37% compared to the pre-industrial levels. Uh, that's um, mainly attributed to fossil fuel use and the land use change. Uh, because of increased CO2 level, the global average temperature has increased. And here we have a chart from the IPCC. Um, let's just forget about the past. Let's look at the recent years. Right here, the yellow line, I would like to draw your attention. Okay, that's the most recent. From 1980 to 2000, the temperature increased more drastically than before. And here we have a data from NOAA Research Laboratory in the Mauna Loa Observatory showing the month of June um, CO2 concentration from 1958 to um, 2012. And as you can see, start from 1958-ish, the CO2 level is only at, uh, uh, at uh, below 320, it's a little bit higher than 310. And keep going all the way. Um, when we reach to 1985, CO2 level reached to 350. Okay? And if you look at recent years, June 2010, the level shows 392, 2011, 293, uh, 2012, which is this year, 395. So it's about 400 already. Okay? So these are scientific data shows the CO2 level has increased. That's why we need to look at the elevated CO2 condition and how it would affect us in terms of agriculture industry and urban forestry. And before we come to agriculture and urban forestry, let's look at uh, how uh, increase of CO2 level has um, 
affected uh, global temperature and uh, uh, just uh, uh, the glacier uh, cover in the world. And this uh, picture shows the glacier the, in 2005 and 2007. You have seen a lot of uh, covered in the gold area has retreated uh, after 2007. And we all heard on the TV, in the radio, all those wildfires in the West. And the research data has indicated for past 30 years, the Western US wildfire intensity and frequency has increased by uh, four times. And we all know if the fire burn in forest, we might, in agriculture and urban forest industry, we might not feel hurt that much. But uh, USDA Forest Service got hurt very much because they lost a lot of uh, uh, forest there, and a lot of uh, um, forest industry got hurt very much. But let's forget about uh, those forests. Think about the houses that's built in the urban-rural interface. And um, very, very uh, um, obvious example are those houses in an area in Colorado and in California. I bet you all heard about those movie stars house got burned down. And um, you would think about this. That would really, really affect our agriculture industry because those are the people who have more trees on their property. <laughs> and who they hire? They hire people like us. And they pay top dollars. So that's the effect here, okay? And we don't want their house to be burned because we want the, the house to be there with trees so we can make some money. And also research indicated um, one of the climate change effects is uh, the increase of frequency of uh, uh, disease and insects in the forest. And sometimes uh, these uh, disease and insects creeped into urban area as well. And who can forget about the flood in recent years? In year 2010, in year 2011, uh, a lot of places in the U.S. got flooded. I have my personal experience in, by living in Louisiana, Baton Rouge. And last year, we experienced the historic, historically record high um, water level in the Mississippi River. Uh, since the Baton Rouge is the state capital, so the state government were contemplating how to save the state capital. And what they did is they opened the floodgate and they got the water run into the rural area close to the Baton Rouge. So people who live in the Baton Rouge are very lucky to have people who live in the rural area that agreed to have those floodgates open in a way save the city. And we're forever grateful for that. A study also indicated because of the elevated CO2 and high temperature in certain area of US, we would suffer from drought. Right? This chart is from Washington Post, most recently, that's in August, uh, August 2nd, um, indicating drought intensifies in the most parched area of U.S. And look at this color, okay? so starting from light yellow, that's an abnormality drought, right? Okay? And when the color gets into lemonish, it's a moderate drought. Gold, orange, a severe drought. Watermelon is a trend drought. The red is very alert, alarming, exceptional drought. Just look at this map. Only this portion, this portion, this portion, a little bit up here, are not covered by color. 
which means the majority of area in U.S. are suffering from drought this year. And some areas suffer historic high level of drought. And we all know this, tree grow need water. So drought will affect agriculture industry, that's for sure. So, thank God that's not my house, that's not my tree, eh? and that's not my call. But this <laughs> way, continue business as usual, eh? burn all the fossil fuels, emitting all the uh, greenhouse gases, and do whatever we can to change the land, and cut all the trees. And very soon, we're going to have a scenario like this, and like this. Won't be dramatic anymore. Okay, now it looks like it looks like dramatic, but it won't be dramatic anymore. So it got us to think about what climate change mitigation. Okay? We need to find the methods of mitigating the potential onslaught of elevated CO2 and climate change and global warming. We need also look into the options that might include the ability to start immediately uh, with the known technology to gain high benefits for reasonable cost. Now we play a very important role here. Okay? We all know this, planting trees are very cost effective. Okay? And urban forests play a very important role in climate change mitigation because urban trees can affect the factors underlying global warming in two ways. One, by direct sequestrating CO2. Yes. Oh my goodness. Here. And the gentleman before me talked about photosynthesis, so I don't need to talk more about photosynthesis. Okay. And so trees through photosynthesis sequestrating a lot of CO2, and through growth and the development stored a lot of carbon, both in the tree themselves and also in urban soil. And also tree can uh, reduce energy costs um, and cool off cool building and you know summertime and um, uh, save energy in the wintertime if, if you plant trees around the building. A lot of scientists have studied um, the relationship be between tree and the climate by reconstructing temperature in the past through tree ring analysis. And actually one of the board members, uh, Frank Rain, had a talk a couple of days ago about the tree rain analysis. Uh, tree rain shows annual growth band, okay, which can be counted backward in time. And wood can also be absolutely uh, dated by radiocarbon measurement. Okay. The width of each growing band in a tree can be calibrated to instrumental temperatures. And this yields an equation for the relationship between rain width and the temperature which can be applied back in time. And those botanists also studied the relationship between stomato density and the CO2 contents in the air, and they found out the stomato density increases as the CO2 level decreases. And recently, I hosted a climate change in the urban forest symposium in Baton Rouge. Uh, Dr. Greg McPherson was there, gave a talk on carbon budget, and this is the chart he used, I borrowed. If he's in the audience, that's fine, because I gave 
Okay, so here look at these two, not even big trees, those small uh, shrubbish trees. Okay? As the age increase, the tree can um, store a lot of uh, uh, carbon dioxide. Okay. okay, I'm a stress physiologist by training. I look at how trees suffer from stress and how trees respond to the stress at the physiological level. Okay? So, Predicted increase in CO2 level might enhance plant growth, as uh, a lot of researchers indicated, uh, because uh, you know, the plants can increase the carbon uptake. Okay. However, plant growth in elevated CO2 condition might be limited by climate change, such as high mean global temperature and the low precipitation, as I mentioned before. And uh, these kind of problems happen in much of the world already. Okay. So how plants will respond to elevated CO2, extreme temperatures, and drought is relatively unknown. Considering the pattern of high CO2 emission in the urban area, there is a need to study the physiological responses of trees to elevated CO2, extreme temperature, drought, and the flood. And so at the Southern University, we do have projects working on looking into physio physiological response of uh, uh, plants to drought, and Dr. Ablahi actually uh, tested the species to find some varieties that's drought tolerant. Okay? We also presented some papers a couple of years ago at the ISA conference on flooding. Okay? So today I'm going to focus on elevated CO2 study we did. Okay? The objective of this study is to quantify the, uh, and evaluate the physiological characteristics of selected urban trees and shrubs in response to elevated CO2 by examining photosynthesis, stomatoconductance, and transpiration. Here is the experimental design parameters. So far we tested six tree species and three shrub species. I'm gonna talk about shrub later, but now let's just talk about tree first, okay? Uh, we tested live oak, southern red oak, red maple, water oak, cherry bark oak, and laurel oak. The reason we test these species is that they are commonly used in the south, okay? Our experimental units are three ex environmental growth chambers. I'm gonna show you a picture later. And in each chamber, we have six plants, uh, one plant per species. Our CO2 treatments are 400 ppm, that's the ambient CO2 level in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and 500, 600, 700, 800, and doubling CO2, that's 900. Okay, this is a, two of the larger chambers we have, and we can put the six plants in it. Each chamber has a CO2 pores, so you can adjust the CO2 level uh, concentration, and you can also adjust the light intensity, temperature, humidity, and the photo period. And this one is the smaller chamber that we use for testing shrubs. This also has a CO2 port. You can use a CO2 generator to pump CO2 in it. Again, it's a light photo period, humidity, and temperature control. And after you expose the plants, actually, we expose plants, not you. <laughs> and we use a light pore photosynthesis system to measure the photosynthesis, the stomatoconductance, and the transpiration. This is one of the systems. 
And this is a, a sample data we collected of two species on their average net photosynthesis, transpiration, and stomatal conductance. And uh, here I want to share with you some uh, uh, trends we observed and measured through our research. This one is for red maple, and for the net photosynthesis, um, from starting from the CO2 exposure of 400, 500, 600, 700, all the way to 1,000. And this is uh, the photo, net photosynthesis level. And uh, you can see at the ambient CO2, um, uh, photosynthesis is about six here. Okay? And there's a peak reached at a 500 level of CO2, and uh, there's a sudden drop here at 600 level, and the chart becomes a little bit flat. Okay? But in general, the red, oak, red maple responded to elevated CO2 treatment very well because the photosynthesis increased, you know, decreased. And in general, 50 to 100% increase uh, for the red maple. <laughs> Next species, red oak, follow similar pattern like a red maple. The peak is at 500 ppm with 33 to 116% increase in uh, 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 photosynthesis rate. And the water oak, water oak also peaked at 500 and with a 50 to 67% of increase of uh, photosynthesis rate. However, the increase is kind of a gradual, kind of flat. And this tree is kind of a little bit different. The peak is not five, five, uh, at 500, okay? it's at 600. This is a live oak, a very commonly used urban tree uh, in the south. And this is a cherry bark oak at 500, that's the peak, and the rate of increase is 33 to 83%. And this is laurel oak. 60 to 100% increase, and the peak is at 600, not 500. And when I put all these species together to give you a comparative analysis, as you can see, there are four trees peaked at 500 level of CO2, and the two trees peaked at 600. In general, all of them have the photosynthesis rate increased, not decreased. Now look at, let's look at transpiration. And uh, this one, red oak, okay? at 400 all the way to 700 level, 800 level, nothing changing. Okay? Oh, there's a slight change, but statistically not significant. Okay? And there's a big drop here at 900, at the bubbling uh, CO2 level. At 1,000, there's no drop. The reduction of transpiration for red oak is about 3 to 10%. And the cherry bark oak, oak start to drop the transpiration rate much earlier at the 500 level CO2 dropped already. Okay? The reduction is between 15 to 39%. The reduction is proportional to the increased level of the CO2. Okay. Red maple behaved a little bit strange, okay? And it started flight, then at the um, 600 level, it jumped up, and go down again, okay? And keep going kind of flight, and there's a big drop over here from at 1,000. Uh, okay, and this is laurel oak, okay? And it started to drop at the 500 level <laughs> and continue drop, 
then become flat. And this is a water oak, follow very similar pattern as laurel oak. And this is a live oak. Live oak dropped at five and then came up a little bit at six and, and up a little bit more at seven and dropped again and become flat. And if I put all six species together, give you a comparative uh, look of it, it seems live oak perform a little bit better because we all know if you have a lower transpiration uh, rate, you conserve more water. That's better for the plants in the dry condition. So live oak seems a little bit better, uh, followed by the water oak, the laurel oak, and this one is a red, ma uh, red, red maple is flat, and the red oak is kind of flat. Now let's look at the stomatal conductance of the all six species. In general, Almost all of them dropped in terms of stomatal conductance as the CO2 level increased, but one red maple become a Texas Long Ranger, just stayed here and flat and did not join the entire group, become an independent Texas. <laughs> I hope nobody from Texas here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> But actually, it's good, you know, it's big in Texas. Okay. Okay, we also touched the three um, uh, shrubs so far. One is Japanese boxwood, one is camellia, and the common privet. And all three shrubs has a CO2, um, has a, a net photosynthesis increase at a 600 level, and has a stomatal conductance decrease. Okay. This is... Um, uh, Japanese boxwood, again, this is a uh, camellia, peaked at 600, and the stomatal conductance also decreased. Very similar for uh, uh, common privet, um, increased at 600, and stomatal conductance is decreased. Okay. And I can mention about stomatal conductance. We, we all know this in physiology, if you have a lower stomatal conductance rate, you have lower transpiration rate, which is good for the plants. Because okay? you uh, use uh, less water, you have a higher water use efficiency. Now let's look at other people's study. Okay? And most of the research I read are on agricultural crops, which we really do not want to look at it because you know we're upper culture and urban forestry people. Okay? So I look at these uh, trees. One study on sweet gum can grow at a CO2 concentration of 540, and displayed a 14% reduction of stomatal conductance, and reduced the transpiration rate by 10%. Okay? Uh, I have time, right? Wait a minute, the gentleman took my time, you know. <laughs> okay. The span took the time of Chinese. <laughs> okay. Um, the Douglas 4 at uh, 530 CO2 concentration also reduced the stomatal conductance and the transpiration by 12%. Okay? That's other people's study results. And look at Scotch pine. Okay? Uh, grow at uh, twice ambient uh, CO2 level, has a 14% reduction in cumulative sap flow, which also suggests significant CO2-induced reduction in transpirational water loss. Okay. Therefore, I can fairly say, I can con conclude this, okay? 
First of all, my research shows net photosynthesis for those plants I test, uh, tested and all increased, okay, net photosynthesis all increased in the elevated CO2 condition. And with the peak rates at 500 ppm and 600 ppm. And I can also um, feel comfortable to say most of plants I tested responded to increase in CO2 level by display reduced stomatal conductance. Okay. And in elevated CO2 condition, the plants I tested reduced the transpiration rate. This water savings can result in greater soil moisture contents in CO2-enriched uh, ecosystems. The physiological responses can be provide can provide positive feedback on plant growth until until other factors become limiting factor. In ecology and physiology, we all know tree growth are affected by different factors. Okay? So by only having a high elevated a high CO2 level in the atmosphere is not going to help the plants. And what if you don't have enough water? Plants suffer from drought. Or if you don't have enough nutrients in the soil, plants will not also work very well. So we can only say if other factors are not limiting factors, then elevated CO2 seems good to trees so far. Thank you. Do I have time for questions? This concludes Zhao Ning's talk on the effect of CO2 on urban trees. If you would like to learn more about tree biology, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including the Tree Biology DVD and Tree Anatomy and Physiology courses in the Online Learning Center. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to today's lecture, visit the ISA store and select Online CEU Quizzes. If you have recommendations for future topics to cover in this podcast series, please contact the ISA at elearning at isa-arbor.com. Thank you for listening to this episode, which is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country, trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA.